Thanks for listening to the New Stanton Church podcast. Check out our website at newstantonchurch.com where you can find out how to join our live stream at 901 on Sunday mornings. Now let's prepare our hearts for the word that we're about to receive. Well, good morning. Uh, I'm Pastor Josh. If you don't know me, uh, I'm the director of community here at our church, and I'm excited to share with you this morning. Before we get started, I just want to let you know there are Bibles uh, under the seats. So if you don't have one at home, take one of those. Those are for you, um, and you can meet with God as you read the Scriptures. I also want to let you know you received a Connect card on the way in this morning. Those can go in the offering baskets as you leave this morning. And if you want to give a a donation, you can also do that in those offering baskets. Awesome. So this month in our Life on Mission series, I've been speaking about what it looks like to live on mission for Jesus, to have a lifestyle that honors the mission that he gave us. We've talked the last couple weeks about how to get started on this and and about how we can share our faith with our friends, to share our story of what God has done in our own lives. Wouldn't it just be amazing to be a part of someone else's salvation story, of them coming to faith in Christ? I hope that all of you get to do that someday. But does the mission stop there? What happens after someone comes to Christ? Do do they just hang out? Just wait for Jesus to come back? Is our job done? No, of course not. Jesus told his 12 disciples to not only make disciples, but to make better disciples. He told them to teach these new disciples everything he had taught them. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them like we did this morning, In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. You see, our job doesn't end when a friend decides to follow Jesus. They need people like us to show them how to follow him. And when you experience Christ's salvation, your spirit is transformed and you are destined for eternity with Jesus. But our thoughts and our behavior are not 100% changed in that moment. It's a process that takes time, and many people do give up some major sins right away, but there's other behaviors that take a while. And there are unchristlike ways of thinking that may take years for God to work on as we surrender more and more of our hearts and our minds to Him. And this process of maturing in our faith, it can happen at various speeds. It's not automatic that we grow quickly and in a healthy way. A person's spiritual growth can be slowed or even stunted if they don't have more experienced believers in their life to help them to grow. The number one thing that causes people to grow as a person is a relationship. And it's true when it comes to following Jesus too. New disciples of Jesus can grow stronger in their faith by following the example of a more experienced disciple of Jesus And so this morning, I want to encourage those of you who are more experienced in your faith to walk with new believers and help them to grow closer to Jesus. If you're new to following Jesus, you know, you might need that wisdom more than most, but we all need someone who's wiser than us to speak into our life and to help us to follow him even better. We need to be guided and challenged and encouraged. How many of you are grateful for the people in your life that have helped you to grow? in your faith. 
Amen. Me too. I, I really am. I, you know, my parents modeled a Christian life for me very well. They, they practiced what they preached. They taught me the Bible as a kid, but they also bought me my own Bible. And they helped me to develop a daily Bible reading habit, even in middle school. I learned to pray around the family dinner table and, and at kids' church and, and Sunday mornings. My youth leader developed my heart for ministry, and she challenged me to help me grow. When I was a senior in high school, I was on the student ministry team, and she asked each of us, 17-year-olds, why are you a Christian? It's a simple question. It's blunt. And as a 17-year-old who grew up in the church, I needed that sort of a question to make me process, why do I believe what I believe? Do, Do I believe this? And who do I want to be moving forward? What direction is my life taking? It challenged me and helped me to grow. My former pastor in New York helped me to grow uh, both as a man and as a church leader. His wisdom was really valuable to me. Uh, About nine or ten months before Heather and I started dating, there was a girl that I was interested in. And I knew her kind of on a surface level, but I didn't know her character very well. And he did. He had known her for years, and so I... I went to him and I said, hey, what do you think about this? And he said to me, his name was Josh as well. He was Pastor Josh. And so he said to me, Josh, you know, I've observed some inconsistency in her walk with Jesus. Um, and so I'd encourage you to wait six months and kind of see where things are at. She was in a good place in her faith at the time. And I, I really didn't want to hear that. But I trusted him. And I knew that was wise advice, and so I waited. And let me tell you what, I dodged a bullet. (laughs) Um, Her life kind of went crazy, and it was only months later that I met Heather. I just had to be patient to wait for God to bring along the right girl. And it was, that happened because of God used the wisdom of the leaders in my life. I hope that as I've shared about these people in my life that you've been remembering some of the people in your life who have um, given you wisdom that has guided you and helped you to grow as a person and as a Christian. But don't just reminisce about how great they were, how nice they were. Honor them by passing on what God has done in your life. There is such a high cost. When people try to live without wisdom, when people try to live without the guidance of, of people in their life who have more experience than them, it can be very, very destructive. I want to illustrate this with a somewhat obscure passage from the book of 1 Kings this morning that you may have never heard read in church. Um, but it shows how bad it can get when people live without wisdom. It's about a king of ancient Israel named Rehoboam. Rehoboam's father was King Solomon, and King Solomon was given wisdom from God as a young king, and the kingdom of Israel was at its most prosperous during his reign. But Solomon kind of drifted from God a little bit as he got older, and he imposed some really heavy taxes and basically enslaved his own people to build some of his palaces and stuff. So let's pick up the story when Rehoboam becomes king in 1 Kings 12. The leaders of Israel summoned him, and Jeroboam and the whole assembly of Israel went to speak with Rehoboam. Your father was a hard master, they said. Lighten the harsh labor demands and heavy taxes that your father imposed on us. Then we will be your loyal subjects. Rehoboam replied, give me three days to think this over. 
Then come back for my answer. So the people went away. Then King Rehoboam discussed the matter with the older men who had counseled his father Solomon. What is your advice, he said? How should I answer these people? And the older counselors replied, If you are willing to be a servant to these people today and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your loyal subjects. But Rehoboam rejected the advice of the older men and instead asked the opinion of the young men who had grown up with him and were now his advisors. What is your advice, he asked them. How should I answer these people who want me to lighten the burdens imposed by my father? The young man replied, this is what you should tell those complainers who want a lighter burden. My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. Yes, my father laid heavy burdens on you, but I'm going to make them even heavier. My father beat you with whips, but I will beat you with scorpions. Three days later, Jeroboam and all the people returned to hear Rehoboam's decision just as the king had ordered. But Rehoboam spoke harshly to the people, for he rejected the advice of the older counselors and followed the counsel of his younger advisors. He told the people, My father laid heavy burdens on you, but I'm going to make them even heavier. My father beat you with whips, but I will beat you with scorpions. So the king paid no attention to the people. This turn of events was the will of the Lord, for it fulfilled the Lord's message to Jeroboam, son of Nebat, through the prophet Ahijah from Shiloh. When all Israel realized that the king had refused to listen to them, they responded, Down with the dynasty of David. We have no interest in the son of Jesse. Back to your homes, O Israel. Look out for your own house, O David. So the people of Israel returned home. And because Rehoboam listened to his friends and his peers instead of the experienced voices of wisdom, the mighty kingdom of Israel that his father had built was torn in two. And Rehoboam didn't even get the bigger half. He got the smaller half. And I want you to see this morning that the next generation, both little children and adults who are new in their faith, they need the wisdom that more experienced Christians can give them. A college classmate of mine, who's a pastor now, um, he told me that a, a pastor had, had told him something. And for some reason, it really stuck with me. This pastor had told him, that wherever you're at in your life, you should always have someone above you pouring into you, someone who's more experienced giving you wisdom. And you should also always have someone that you are passing on what you have learned to, someone who you can give some of the wisdom that you have learned in your life. We should always be being mentored and mentoring someone else. And if one of those is not happening, you'll be less healthy as a person, and as a Christian. Because listen to this. When you help them grow, you grow. When you help them grow, you grow. When you have to speak something out that you have learned, it reinforces that in your own heart and mind. Anybody who's a teacher here knows that this morning. When you encourage them, hey, trust God more with your life, it helps you to trust God more. And so this morning, I want to focus on those of you who are more experienced Christians today and try to equip you to help newer believers grow in their faith. Because you have something to give. And many of us this morning probably feel like, well, listen, I'm just a regular person. I I don't really have that much to give. I don't know enough about the Bible, and I still make mistakes. Listen, you don't have to be a pastor 
You don't have to be perfect. If God has taught you one thing in your life, you have something to pass on. Even if you've been following Jesus for 10 minutes, you have something that God has done in your life that you can pass on to people that don't know him. If you've been following him for a year, you have something to pass on to those who just started. If you've been following Jesus for 10 years, man, God has done a lot in your life and you have something to give. So I want to encourage you to pursue connections with believers who are newer to the faith than you are. This morning, I want to give you three objectives of mentoring new believers. Now, I'm speaking mostly to more experienced Christians, but if you're a new Christian, you can get a lot out of this too um, as you pay attention to how this works, how we can help one another grow. So here's three objectives of mentoring new believers. First, encourage them in their faith. Listen, life is difficult, and being a Christian is also difficult. Everyone needs encouragement, but newer believers really need your encouragement. Some of their friends might be avoiding them or even mocking them for their newfound faith. Or the enemy might be trying to discourage them right out of the starting gate. So encourage them every chance that you get. Don't forget to pray with them. When when you're with them, you're talking with them about life, pray with them. And when you go home, pray for them that God would give them strength and a deep faith. If God has worked in your life in some surprising ways during a a difficult season of life, just pass that on to someone else to give them the courage to endure the storm that they're currently in. If you found freedom from an eating disorder or a, a pornography addiction, encourage them that there's hope. You can be free too because God has set me free. Whatever it is that God has done for you, pass that on. The Apostle Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul and his companions have been persecuted for preaching the message of Jesus, but he wants the Corinthian church to know that in addition to suffering for Jesus, there's very real comfort that God will give them in the midst of it. And this is what he wrote. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God gave us. And the Corinthians needed to hear that because their neighbors weren't big fans of them not worshiping their idols anymore. Their neighbors didn't like it that they stopped participating in sexual sin that the rest of them were doing. So Paul encouraged them. He said, God has comforted me in my persecution and he will comfort you in your suffering as well. Number two, help them establish spiritual disciplines. In order to help get people started in their relationship with Jesus, you need to help them to establish spiritual disciplines in their life. You see, spiritual formation is mostly determined by your habits. Just like healthy people create rules and schedules for their diet and exercise to get healthy, just like financially successful people create budgets and goals to be successful and financially healthy, the same way. Christians create routines that we follow to intentionally build our faith. Brand new Christians often don't know just how powerful these habits can be and how much it can change their heart and their life. They might not even know they're supposed to be doing them at all. So walk with them. Give them some pointers from your own walk with Jesus and help them establish these habits. The most three, uh, the most critical spiritual disciplines are prayer, reading the Bible, and church attendance. 
But there's way too many Christians that just kind of settle for attending church half of the time because they don't know the value of building scripture reading and prayer into your daily routine. But there is so much power in the consistency of these practices that they're missing out on. There are also additional helpful practices like fasting or silence or taking a Sabbath day each week to rest and seek God or confessing your sin to other Christians. The Bible doesn't provide an exhaustive list, but almost all of these are described or prescribed in Scripture. You know, we have a couple letters in our Bibles from the Apostle Paul to a young pastor in Ephesus named Timothy, and he was kind of mentoring him. And in Paul's second letter to Timothy, he made sure that Timothy knew just how valuable and powerful it is to know the Scriptures. He even talks about how Timothy was taught the scriptures from childhood through his mother and his grandmother, who were some of the first Jews to become Christians. And they didn't want their faith to end with them, so they passed it on to Timothy, to the next generation. Here's what Paul said. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the holy scriptures from childhood, And they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. God will use the scriptures to prepare and equip each of us to do the good work that he has prepared ahead of us for us to do. God uses the Bible to teach us what is true. He uses the Bible to correct us when we get a little bit off base. But we have to consistently read those scriptures for them to be effective, for them to be one of the primary things that form us. Listen, if you spend way more time on Facebook than scripture, you'll be formed by Facebook. If you spend more time watching cable news, you'll be formed by cable news and not by scripture. If you want to follow Jesus, you have to structure your life in such a way that your heart and your mind are formed to be like him. And that nothing else in your life even comes close to having as much influence as Jesus over your heart. Listen, we are so blessed. We have right here, we have an entire library of mentors right here, that will teach us how to live for God. We can know Jesus through these books. So newer Christians need to develop a Bible reading habit, and you need to help them do that. If you have any experience reading the Bible, help them through it. And they need to learn how to pray, to worship God with their prayers, to talk with God as as a friend right next to them, to pray honest prayers when life is hard, to pray for others and not just pray for themselves. Teach them to pray. And last, model the Christian life for them. You know, the reason I'm standing before you today is because people modeled the Christian life for me. If I woke up early enough, I would find my dad in the living room with his Bible open every morning, any day of the week. I remember having breakfast out on the porch with him, and uh, in between conversation, I could hear him praying under his breath. My mom would sit across the table from people in our church and just hear the struggles they, would, they were going through. She would cry with them and encourage them during their most difficult times in life. Um, 
And I want to I tell you this morning about my grandma. She's had a profound impact on my family. Um, and she's been sick for a long time. And I just found out last night that she passed away. Um, and I want to honor her life by being the same sort of person who helps others grow like she was for my family. She was just a farmer's daughter, just a regular person. But God used her in amazing ways. Um, when she grew up, she, she married a pastor, um, and they were involved in ministry together. But even more powerful than that is how much of a woman of prayer she was. She prayed for each member of our family every day. Literally. And every time I saw her, she reminded me, I'm praying for you every day. When we would go there on vacation, you know, certain time of the day, she would disappear. She'd go down the hall back to her bedroom and we could hear her praying through the walls in a, like a serious, passionate voice because she loved God. She cared and she knew her prayers were making a difference. And the people she raised are changing even more lives. She had four kids. My dad's the youngest, the only boy. Um, three of her kids went into full-time ministry. My aunt was a missionary of the Philippines. Uh, my other aunt is on staff as a pastor at a church now. My dad's a pastor. And my other aunt uh, has her PhD. She's a professor. And in her spare time, she travels a little bit to do ministry. Um, that's all because of their family, because of my grandma. She's a farmer's daughter, just a regular person. But she passed on what God had done in her life. And she followed Jesus above all else. You know, it wasn't just her hugs and the cinnamon rolls and all the family time. The most important things in life, she passed on to us. And I hope that all of you will live that way as well. People who are new to faith need our guidance. Many people don't have the, a, even a family who has followed Jesus like that. M many people are not sure, how do I live? What do I do? What does it mean to trust God completely? What, what does the Bible mean when it says that? That's confusing. They need people in their life to gather around them and support them and help them to follow Jesus, especially if they don't have family in their life who's doing that for them. So I want to ask you a question this morning. If a brand new believer were to imitate your life, would they end up looking like Jesus? Do you follow Jesus so closely that your attitudes and routines and everything about you points people to Jesus? Your schedule, your checkbook, your thought life, it should be shaped by Jesus so that you can help others grow. And the Apostle Paul did this. And he said something really bold in 1 Corinthians 11, 1. He said, and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. And maybe you and I don't imitate Christ quite as well as Paul did, but other Christians are watching how you live your life. So make it worth imitating. Follow Jesus as closely as possible and make sure that you practice what you preach, that you don't just say it, you don't just pray it, but you do it. You live it out. You love your neighbor as yourself in every way. The Apostle Paul mentored another young pastor named Titus. And he told him this. He said, you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and the seriousness of your teaching. Live it out. 
when you serve people with, with uh, someone else who, you know, who's newer to faith, it shows them that you really believe what you say and it helps them apply the truth that they've been learning from you or from the Bible or from Sunday sermons. When you pack meals together at Rise Against Hunger, you're, you're showing them that we're all about loving our neighbor as ourself. When you invite them over for dinner and they see you putting your spouse first, it shows that you really believe what you say. When you have grace for them, when they miss up and they sin, it shows that you really do believe in the power of forgiveness. You have to live it out together. If you've been a Christian for a while this morning, I wanna encourage you to seek out new believers with eagle eyes. Be on the watch for people who need you to love them and pass on what God has done in your life. So seek them out. Introduce yourself to people you've never met at church. They could be a longtime Christian, but they could also be someone who's seeking God, who's wondering about what it means to know Jesus and to follow him. They could be a new Christian who needs to figure out, how do I do this? How do I live this out? So make those connections anytime you can. As we finish, I want to give you a few easy steps, just a way that you can put this into action. A couple of volunteer roles at the church that, that fit this. First, you could, you could host a connect group. This is the ministry that I lead here, and you don't have to teach the Bible. You don't have to be a perfect Christian, but you do have to care about others' spiritual growth. It's a great way to help others get closer to Jesus. And so if you're interested in doing that, talk to me. Second, you could talk to Steve Meyer about leading a teen small group here at the church. You don't have to be cool, okay? You just need to care. Teens need good role models so much. They're bombarded with peer pressure. They're struggling with their identity. And they're making these choices that are going to affect the entire direction of their life. They need people like you. And lastly, you could serve on our children's ministry team. We just talked about them earlier in the service. But I want to remind you how important this is. Of all the people that come to Christ, 75% of them put their faith in Jesus before the age of 21. And 43% before the age of 12. If we want to change America for Christ and live on mission, we have to reach our children. Just like Timothy's mother and grandmother raised up a young man who would become a missionary and a pastor who changed the world for Jesus, you can live on mission by guiding them to follow Jesus. Whether they become a pastor or a plumber or a farmer, whatever they do, they can live a life on mission for Jesus because of what you have spoken into their life. If you're interested in getting involved with the kids' ministry, uh, you can do that at the community corner. But no matter what someone's age is, we need to be helping new Christians grow in their faith in whatever ways we can because they need us. You need to pass on what you have been given. So don't wait. Get started right away. Let's pray this morning. Jesus, we are so thankful for the people in our lives who have poured out what they have been given to us. God, thank you for parents and grandparents and, and friends who have come alongside of us, who have shown us what it means to follow Jesus, who have helped us to grow. Lord, we thank you for what you have done in our lives. And God, we, we want to take what we've received and pass it on to help 
others grow. God, sometimes it's hard for us to make those connections, so we just ask for your help today. Help us to make connections with newer Christians um, or, or with family members, whoever it is, that we can help them to know what it means to follow Jesus. Help us to recognize the seriousness and the, the privilege that it is to be someone who can guide someone to be closer to you. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for the grace that you have given to us. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the New Stanton Church podcast. We'd love to connect with you. So visit our website at newstantonchurch.com, follow the Get Involved tab, and RSVP to our next meet and greet.